Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to the Long Distance Work-Life Podcast. I am Wayne Trammell. Uh, as is often the case when we have interviews, I am without Marissa Eikenberry today, although she's here in spirit. We are going to have a really, really good conversation uh, around working moms in the workplace, particularly as it re- relates to remote and hybrid work with Pam Cohen, who is one of the brains behind the Mom Project. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, We will have, as usual, the notes and links and all that good stuff on the website. And now I am just going to bring in our guest for this episode, Pam Cohen from the Mom Project. Hi, Pam. Hi, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Wayne. Well, thank you for being with us, and uh, nobody needs me mansplaining the Mom Project, so why don't you very uh, briefly tell us what it does, what the aim is, and then we'll jump into our discussion. Sure, absolutely. Um, The Mom Project, uh, we're in our sixth year of helping women, um, moms in particular, find flexible work, work that suits their schedules with companies um, that are forward thinking and um, large companies, medium-sized companies, small-sized companies that want to help them uh, in these efforts. We have over a million moms on our platform and um, we are uh, really supercharged for this next phase of, of finding flexible work for women. And I run Work Labs, which is the wholly owned research division of the mom project um, where we do independent research on things like flexibility, um, retention, finding the best in work and life uh, for moms and women and their allies, of course, as well. Uh, Work Labs concerns itself with doing predictive analytics in these areas. It helps uh, companies understand why it really matters to help people find ways to uh, integrate work and life. Great. So let's, uh, I don't even know where to begin. This is such a big topic. Let's start with when the pandemic hit, uh, all the studies kind of indicated that the people most excited about the opportunity to work from home were women in particular, moms. Um, how has the last couple of years born out against what we thought was going to happen and what's really going on out there uh, with moms and, and remote work? Well, that's, that's a really interesting question. And uh, it, it, it's particularly interesting for us because we started studying the need for flexibility about 2016. And one of the things that we found long before the pandemic began that was not only was flexibility important, but respect for flexibility was absolutely critical. In other words, if you had- Yeah, I was going to say, so let's not run past that because I think it's an important point. Yeah, it was really interesting because sometimes companies would give lip service to having flexible opportunities for women, for example, but there was really no respect. For example, uh, a, a woman might get flexibility in her job so she could do pick up and drop off, but then she would find that she was getting left out of key projects or- key meetings or, you know, people were saying behind her back that she really wasn't getting the job done 
or and you know yes you you're flexible to make your own schedule but you better be on that tuesday morning call exactly if you miss something there was no way to make it up and and nobody was trying to schedule around it so respect for flexibility is really everything it has to stop start from leadership on down and that really was happening in very spotted places um, during those years. Now, since the pandemic, which is what you were asking about, what we found is that flexibility, of course, became common by default in a way, in a way. Remote work became common by necessity for people who were able to work from home. Um, so that caveat's there to begin with. But then secondarily, it was remote work, but there was also the issue that people felt like they needed to be online all the time. So in a way there was flexibility in that nobody was going into an office, but at the same time, people felt like even to go get a cup of coffee, they were putting an emoji up. Um, people were apologizing for interruptions, even though they had nobody helping them at home with kids. And um, typically that those sort of things fell onto women first and foremost. So it took a while to really work out what flexibility meant. There was a lot of lip service to, oh, now everybody has flexibility. But the truth was now everybody was sort of in their living room all the time and trying to work all the time. So there was a couple of year time period where we were working through that. What does that mean? Flexibility cannot mean that you're on 24 seven just because you're remote. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to, to talk a little bit about what specifically has happened during the pandemic that maybe surprised us or we thought because uh, as we have this conversation, I hear in the back of my head already a lot of people saying, well, you know, that's not me or it's not all men or it's that we're talking basic generic numbers here. We're talking about overall generalities, your mileage may vary. But what did we find during the pandemic that surprised you? Well, what surprised, I think, a lot of people, a lot of women in particular who were um, struggling with the idea of work-life integration is that when they did have time at home, even though it was very difficult, um, lack of childcare, uh, kids weren't going to school, the opportunity to actually see kids in the moment, to experience things that they might not have if they were in an office, just became glaringly, obviously wonderful and not something that seemed like, well, I'll give this time up. You know, it became something that was paramount, for example. We were sort of hiding the idea that, well, if I'm in an office all day, I'm not missing that much. And then I think a lot of women started to say, and men too, to a certain extent, I don't want to miss those moments. I don't want to miss those moments that I can see. I want to have more flexibility to be able to see those things. Um, what wasn't surprising was that women continued to do most of the childcare and certainly almost all of the unexpected events quick doctor's appointments, um, kid couldn't find something for school, uh, housekeeping and things like that. It's not that men aren't helping, but the idea is that they're helping. What can I do to help? The job is yours, but I will be happy to help you. And again, this is not about 
bashing men. It just, it does continue to be a social norm that women take on most of the responsibilities. Similarly, women tend to do that with elder care as well. Um, so that part wasn't a surprise, but I think part of what was a surprise is the extent to which as kids return to school, as we got through sort of the other side, wherever we are now with the pandemic and things returned to sort of a norm, there was such a backlash against returning to an office. Um, and, and, you know, flexibility means something different to a primary caregiver than it does to somebody who's not. The idea of needing that flexibility uh, for pickups, for drop-offs, for things like that, but also that idea of not wanting to miss out on key life events that they suddenly saw were, were possible to do, as they realized that they could do their job as well from home as they could being in an office. And I think that was one of the other big surprises is, you know, we've always said, oh, you have to be face-to-face. -face. You can't have these kind of conversations unless you're face-to-face. -face. I think people started to realize, well, actually you can. You can have those conversations. You can establish those relationships at work without necessarily being on site, particularly as, as companies started to accommodate that. Let's talk about that accommodation for a moment. What, as we're talking about returning to work and returning to office, not returning to work, because right. Lord knows it's not like we stopped We've working. We've been working. <laughs> but we are, um, as we're looking at return to work, how, how much is the role of working women, uh, what you've learned at the mom project, how much of that is being taken into account as companies start bringing people back to the office or thinking about it? I think nicely more than there was before. Before what Which we sounds like you're damning with faint praise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a long way to go. I, I do think there's a long way to go still. Uh, women sometimes are reluctant to ask for the flexibility they need because they don't want to be perceived as not being able to handle a job um, rather than it just being, hey, this is this is part of life that we're managing kids, we're managing family and things like that, and I can still get the job done. One of the things we talk about at the Mom Project is part of the strengths that women have are that ability to multitask, that ability to put everything into the different things that she's doing in order to um, do a great job at work. And quite frankly, women make supremely empathetic leaders. They tend to be much more empathetic, much more in touch with their employees. And so I think companies are starting to realize the strength um, and uh, the character that women bring to organizations. So they're more willing to adapt. How do women capture and document that though? Like when you're putting it on a resume, uh, or, you know, you're applying for a job. How do you, because I know people often underestimate their own skills and talents, and that is particularly true with women in, in the workplace. They tend to discount certain, right, certain things. Right. How do they gather, document, and present all of those talents and those things in, in a way to employers that maybe they haven't in the past? Great question. Uh, you know, one of the things we talk about with women tends to be, first of all, women are much more reluctant to, 
to blow their own horn. They really are. They are much more likely to defer. So we talk about practicing that, you know, what are your strengths? We also talk about putting things in your resume that are non-traditional, putting gaps in there. Talk about the things you did during that gap. Were you home taking care of kids? Were you juggling multiple schedules at that time? Were you managing a household? Were you managing the budget? Were you managing a soccer team? You know, what were you doing? What kind of skills were you were you working on while you were away? Everybody works. It's just sometimes it's not paid work. So what were you doing before you returned to paid work? You know, and, and highlight those skills in a resume. Put those things down just in the same way that you would put down software skills or being able to do um, other managerial skills, put those into a resume, put them on paper and get some good examples of times you worked out conflicts, for for example, or times you were able to uh, juggle multiple things and, and bring that into a job interview, bring that confidence, bring those stories because there is relevance to them. And companies see that managers see that so let's take that to the next step then let's say that you i'm going to do this in two parts already employed and looking for employment so in terms of uh already employed how do you suggest moms have the conversation about working from home wanting more flexibility while at the same time making it clear that there is a commitment to the employer and that i think it's the same with anything else you want to start with your commitment to work and the organization your passion for a job your ability to get the job done if you have proof points already that you've been doing it it's a good time to bring them up and then say in order to you know keep doing this as effectively as i have you know, I've, I've realized I have these particular needs in my schedule and um, here's what they are. I need to be able to do drop offs and pickups or I need to be available if my kid, call, you know, needs to come home sick. You know, I've thought about these things. Um, this will not have a negative impact on my my job. In fact, it will have a positive because I'll be able to focus. I won't be concerned about these things. Um, sometimes women like to say, hey, I really need this time off between three and five, but I'm happy to jump back on between five and seven or between seven and nine. I've got time available. Let them know that you've thought through it. You don't have to have the answers to everything. And it's not entirely up to you to have the answers to everything. It's okay to want the company to work with you. But it is okay to say that I've thought through this, just like anything else. And here's the way that I can approach this. And here's why it will make me more effective. I I really like what you said, because I think from a human behavior perspective, it's always helpful to start with the benefit to the other party, right? And a lot of times we think about work-life integration and all that stuff as, well, it's about the family, it's about the kids, and and the company goes, that's nice, but that's not my concern. Right. Right. So I think that notion of leading with that is a subtle thing, and it matters in, in how you perceive. It is subtle and it really does matter. And I think it all goes to the mindset that we don't want to set this up like, you know, employer versus employee, company versus family. We we talk a lot about work-life integration. 
And the way to get through to anybody is giving them the logic, understanding why it's okay, why it will benefit them. You know, the people's hesitation to get into things is this fear that it won't work out. So if you start by approaching people where they are, the managers have fiduciary uh, responsibilities to the companies, it's okay. You can reassure somebody you plan on and have the ability to do this job and they're better off with you than without you. And if you're both in agreement on that, you can work out other ways to do things. What are the, what are the skills, the actual skills that women who want to work from home, uh, who want to be successful working from home, what are the specific skills maybe that they should be developing? Well, I think the ability to organize thoughts, to keep things organized, even when there aren't like water cooler prompts, um, you know, little notes that say, make sure to ask so-and-so about X, you know, uh, just things that you might typically not write down. If you write those things down, it becomes much easier to communicate in a remote world, to remind yourself where there aren't constant reminders about little things that happen so that you stay connected. So those organizational skills become critical. Um, the, the ability to show empathy um, when on call to get to know people, to draw them out in an arena where it's not quite as natural as when you're face to face with somebody. But, you know, there is a lot of importance and video calls to be able to do a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of getting to know you before you start out to establish those relationships more clearly. Um, and, you know, then also laying out work in a way that makes sense so that it's not just doesn't all feel like it's due at the same time. Yes, there are high level deadlines that you probably already have, but how are you going to organize those if you have flexible work and if you have breaks that you need to take during the day, what do you think you can accomplish in certain chunks? Which is not to say that if you don't, you can't catch up, but you know, just giving yourself little manageable deadlines. It's like anything else um, uh, that you can meet really helps you to feel better and better and have more confidence about it. Pam, we are at the end of our time. I've really enjoyed our conversation. There's so much more that we could discuss. Any last minute thoughts, comments, vicious personal attacks, anything at all that you'd like to leave the audience with before I wrap up the show on my end? Well, you know, there's a lot of gender differences that we, we saw in a huge study that we did on women and men's flexibility needs. Um, but one of the things that we found is that when women feel like they have good support at home, it just goes such a long way um, to feeling better about flexibility needs at work. Um, so it's a shout out to their partners um, to say, you know, take on certain things, um, you know, if it's just, you know, arranging dinner, for example, will go a long way to helping women to get their jobs done. Doing those things without asking for them um, really makes such a difference. Um, and also letting them know um, that what they're doing is meaningful. Again, we weren't diving into families at this point, but I think, you know, knowing, and for single parents, it's a lot more difficult um, of course, but you know, where there's a partner present and that can be one of the things emphasized, it really goes a long way. 
Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, uh, Pam Cohen from The Mom Project. As we have told you so many times, the links, the notes, the transcripts for this are found on our website, longdistanceworklife.com. We will also have links to The Mom Project and Pam and all of that good stuff. So there you have it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the long distance work life. I hope you got a lot out of today's conversation. I know I did. Uh, as always, Marissa is standing by to take your questions and comments, uh, whether it's on our webpage or our LinkedIn page. Uh, please don't be shy about asking your questions. Uh, this is the show designed to help you thrive and survive in the workplace of remote and hybrid work. Uh, my name is Wayne Tremell. If you want to learn more about remote work and demystifying it and getting a handle on it, there is a link to our Demystifying Remote Work video series on the website. We urge you to do that. You can always reach out to myself or Marissa by email or by LinkedIn. We are your humble servants. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you on the next episode. Don't let the weasels get you down. And we will talk to you again soon.